Hey everybody, Tanner here, just cutting in right at the beginning to let you know that from the 29 to 32 minute marker on this podcast, we do briefly discuss in graphic detail some rugby injuries and other dismemberment situations, so if that's something that bothers you, either prepare yourself or skip that section entirely. Alright, enjoy the show! Hello and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this might be the most fix-fickiest so far, except fixing it so hard that it's basically a name only, except I changed the name too. You know what? Given the trajectory of what we're about to reboot is going in, probably a good thing. Here's the skinny folks. Spider-Man Far From Home is a bad movie. <laughs> I actually didn't see it, but I'll take your word for it. I heard some pretty mixed reviews. It has, okay, it has good moments in it, but it doesn't feel like a Spider-Man movie at all. And especially in comparison to Homecoming, which I feel is the best Spider-Man movie because it gets to the root of Spider-Man, which is he doesn't need all the fancy gadgets or anything like that. He just needs to protect his neighborhood and protect his people and be the friendly yeah. neighborhood Spider-Man. That was the whole concept of the movie. Yeah. And then Far From Home comes along and they're like, actually, no. The real Spider-Man is just a smaller Iron Man. Yeah. And this crystallizes the St. Tony phenomena. Yeah, we are not sanctifying Tony. We are... I'm not going to say demonize Tony, but we're not going to let him off the hook. Like, even, even fucking Far From Home lets him off the hook, even though the villain is a villain because of intellectual property theft, and also Tony just gave Peter the murder drone satellite? Why yep. do you have a murder drone satellite, Tony? Wasn't there a whole Captain America, so, uh, no, a Captain America the Winter Soldier movie, but why it's a bad idea to have a satellite full of murder drones? Look, the Russos are terrible at, like, connecting plot points from previous movies into... This wasn't the Russos, though. This was oh. the other people. This was okay. John Watson, the cast of Freaks and Geeks. I don't know. He played Sweets on... I don't even know if Sweets from Bones is still writing this movie. Okay. Even then, <laughs> the Russos dropped the ball about, you know, maintaining that whole, oh, yeah, fascist terrorist organization managed to infiltrate the U.S. government back in the fucking 70s. So that they could build the giant murder aircraft carriers. Well, here's the thing that I, I think, I feel like a lot of people, unfortunately, do not make the connection that fascism is bad because it's fascism. But yeah. a lot of people are like, fascism is bad because it's un-American. So if America does it, it's okay. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that that's what the Russos did. Look, look. I think what happened was Captain America Winter Soldier didn't get Pentagon money, and Disney likes Pentagon money. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine Far From Home got Pentagon money, necessarily, unless the Pentagon also has a satellite full of murder drones. They've got an, a lot of investment in murder drones, so yeah. So we're throwing out almost the entirety of Far From Home. We're just keeping some of the bones. Like, I, we don't even have enough bones to make gravy from just this bird. We gotta get last year's bird and the and the bones. 
that we have left over and all like the, the giblets and the skin from the homecoming so, turkey the to make the new gravy. <laughs> the Hutterite chicken, basically. <laughs> so first off, the name. I don't yeah. like the name. <laughs> okay. Initially, I was thinking, what if this movie was just called The Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man? And maybe we could do that. But I do also kind of like the idea of keeping the home trilogy going. Yeah. Because my my dream third Spider-Man movie was always Spider-Man Home for the Holidays. And it's the, the Sinister Sticks, but it's also a Christmas episode. Yeah. So what what is what is a home phrase that we can get that has the same emotions as the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Close to home. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, we are inverting the entire second Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Now, what else are we going to do? We are going to keep Mysterio. Yeah. We are going to keep Jake Gyllenhaal as Quentin Beck. We're yeah. also going to bring back Matt Gargan because there was the implication at the end of Homecoming that Matt Gargan, a.k.a. Scorpio, played by a guy who I recognize from Orphan Black, and I was like, whoa, you shouldn't be here. You're a Canadian actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there was the implication that Matt Gargan was going to try and hunt down Peter and that he didn't know his identity, but he had an inkling that he was a teen. Mm-hmm. And the, the implication is like, uh, the vulture, Adrian Toomes, he's not a good person, but, you know, he still has is honorable enough that he's not going to snitch on Peter. And Matt yeah. Gargan's like, well, I know he's a teen, so I'm just going to kill all the teens that get in my way. Ooh, scary. Yeah, it's a movie from December of last year. Not a movie. A YouTube essay from December of last year by Stefan Krozex, who it, it is called Spider-Man Movies and Marxist Themes. And it basically goes through the Marxist themes in all the Spider-Man movies. And it pointed out how Homecoming has very strong Marxist themes about how it is, like, rejecting the bourgeoisie billionaire uh, cash infusion type of capitalism and yeah. just saying, like, you, you you work together, you use what you have, and you protect your people instead of selling out. Yeah. And Far From Home is a movie all about how selling out is cool and sexy. Yep. And Tony Stark was a saint and everyone loves him. And and almost murdering a busful of your classmates is just wacky teen comedy hijinks. And I enjoyed the movie after I saw it because it was just like punching me in the face with all the dopamine, much like Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah. And then after a week later, I was like, wait a second, that sucked, actually. Yep. Well, my thing with the Transformers movies is I don't remember anything that happened in them. I just remember the dopamine rush. Exactly. That's why they seem so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like hard drugs. Oh, God. So, what else are we keeping? We're keeping the growing romance between Peter and Michelle, Michelle Jones, MJ. Yeah. And Flash is also still there, and Ned is also still there, obviously. Yeah. Um, I want to, like, hint that I'm laying the seeds for Ned as Hobgoblin, but I don't think it's actually going to follow through. But I think there, I do want a scene where Ned is like, I made these cool bombs! They look like, I tried to make them look like spiders, but it couldn't work, so now they kind of look like pumpkins! Maybe it's like a Halloween thing! And Peter's like, Ned, I don't want to blow people up. That's silly. <laughs> yes. So, the, the premise of the film, of Spider-Man Close to Home, is that... Okay, first, before we get into that, we gotta talk about what happened to Tony's money. Yes. I, I have a note in my notes app called, What Happened to Tony's Money? <laughs> okay, so, Tony Stark, the rich fucker. Mm -hmm. Not nearly as sympathetic as Batman. Yeah. So first, we need to assume, because you can't have a Spider-Man if Peter has a huge inheritance. Yeah. So first I'm gonna say, 
the large chunk of Tony's money during the the blip times, the five mm-hmm. blippy years. Yeah. Uh, a large chunk of Tony's money would have gone to charity just out of a guilty conscience. Yeah. And then he also would have set aside a not insubstantial amount for Pepper and Morgan. Yeah. But also, we don't need to worry about Pepper and Morgan. Like, we don't know a lot about Pepper's backstory because she exists to create a child for Tony Stark, unfortunately. But I can... It's safe to assume that Pepper can, like, get a six-figure job immediately yeah. after Tony's passing. Yeah. You're probably thinking, why isn't she running Stark Industries? We'll get Stark Industries is a shell of its former self. A lot of Tony's money went into funding the Avengers and, uh... Tony's money has been spending the set last past several years going into funding the Avengers, which are not a sound investment according to stocks, which aren't real. And they're, yeah. they're going to be even less real during the blip years. Yeah. They are good, but like everyone's going to be in a nosedive, but especially Stark Industries, because now all of his money is basically going into, he's, he could easily get a huge cash influx if he were to sell any of his weapons tech. Yeah. But he's not going to, because he knows that that can so easily fall into the wrong hands. So, so much of his money is just paid for security for the tech. Yeah. You like based on what we see in Endgame, he's not actually working on anything except for the rescue suit for Pepper. And I feel like that's just it's less it, it's I feel like that's one part I need to keep my hands busy and one part I still have severe mental issues. And I am paranoid that anytime something will happen and take the rest of my family away from me. Because yes. Tony Stark, as much as I do not like the guy, he is a good man to the people he cares about. Yeah. To a paranoid fault. It's almost, it's not quite Randian, but it's borderline. Because it, it's not just I'm looking out for me and that's it. It's yeah. I'm looking out for the people I care about. And if I don't care about you, then there's no reason for me to care about you. I, and I look out for Earth because I live there, not because I want to help people. Yeah, that's the big difference between him and Steve. Exactly. But yeah, he's not working. He's not developing anything. Like, a majority of his money is going into funding, like, charity stuff and, like, relocation things and ba da ba da ba da Yeah. And... You know, with the possibility of hope that he might be able to get Peter back once they are about to go into the time heist and also funding the time heist itself, yeah. that's probably where the last of his money would have gone to, funding the time heist and putting some stuff aside for Peter. Probably yeah. like a solid million for his college fund, and he's going to lock it away and say, this is for college. Yeah, do not touch. Exactly. Um, He's not going to set anything aside for May because... He does, he's Tony Stark. He's not going to think like that. Yeah. And that is going to be like part of a foreshadowing, part of just like May complaining, oh, it's so great that Tony uh, set aside money for you for college so we don't have to worry about that. But, you know. Bills to pay. It'd be nice if I didn't have to work a double shift to pay rent this month. Yeah. Tony. Mm-hmm. And then also Pepper, who's hardly interacted with Peter. I don't want to demonize Pepper, but also I got her for the sake of the plot. She's very much going to be in the situation of I'm a single mother now and I'm running... A, a shell. I'm trying to run a husk of a company as a real company now, and so I'm very busy. Yeah. And also, she barely knows Peter. She does not have the same maternal instinct towards Peter that uh, Tony has the paternal one. She's trying to be pragmatic. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, she... Like, Peter's gonna get lost in the shuffle, and she's not gonna think about it, and she's gonna hear Tony took care of Peter, and she's like, okay, I trust Tony, and you shouldn't have trusted Tony. And, yet. you know what, maybe to be a bit more fair to Pepper, she's probably done so much emotional labor for Tony for literal years that she's oh, yeah, just exactly. burnt out. And and it's also going to be Peter saying I don't want to bug Miss Potts because yeah. I uh, Miss Potts is mourning her husband and like the father of her child. And I don't want to show up like, "Hey, can I have a $1000 or something?" Like that's yeah. going to sound terrible. Yeah. And like what if that's the one day where she's just like had it? Yeah. But also the reason the other reason why 
Stark is such a husk of its former self is because, like, it, during the blip years, it kept on, like, another company kept on trying to buy it out, buy it out. And Tony's yeah. going, no, 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 I need to stay in control. And so finally, probably just to get the last bit of money to fund the time heist, he does sell the stock, but it's like a pittance at this point. Yeah. And so he does sell majority of the company to Norman Osborn. <gasps> but we won't worry about that right now. But we do need that to be going on in the background. Yes. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So this is setting up the fact that Peter is still... That Parker Luck, he is lower... He's, like, almost middle class, but not quite. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of strings pulled that got him to where he is, like, school-wise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he probably still has the Iron Spider suit, but he doesn't have the tech to maintain it. So he's probably yeah. just kind of, like, almost cannibalized it for parts and stuff. Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't even wear it because it reminds him of Tony. And that's what he was wearing on uh, Titan, I think, is where he died. Yeah. Yeah. We do need to figure out a good way to put Peter's PTSD in there. I know a lot of fakes are like, Peter is triggered by people snapping their fingers. But he wasn't there when this the snapping happened. Yeah. The immediate thought I had was um, when he said, I don't feel well, Mr. Stark. And maybe, it, I don't know. Maybe in, instead of his spider sense being like, oh, it's the Peter tingle. It's like he almost overreacts to when it goes off, even if it's just yeah. the smallest thing. Yeah. He feels a little bit sick and he thinks he's about to die. Oh my god, we're mm-hmm. making him a hypochondriac. Yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and he did start off in the comic books as a weasley little nerd, so... Mm-hmm. So, another part of Far From Home I'm going to keep is just the general idea of Peter wants to be a normal teen and be a superhero. You yeah. know, the premise of Spider-Man. Yes. Something that we haven't seen in the Marvel movies. Oh, Doctor Strange is like, the problem is because you're trying to live two lives. No, Steve. The problem is that you're trying to warp reality for a teen. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Peter has substituted one shitty father figure for a different shitty father figure. The only difference is he has better facial hair. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Anyways. Peter's like, I want to be a role team, but I also want to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and I'm helping people. And, you know, he's it's very much the, the case of, like, um, trying to stop people who are doing criminal crimes, but also yeah. trying to recognize that some people are just, like, down on their luck. Yeah. Like, some some of the best Spider-Man comics in One Trust, I don't even know if these are official ones, I think a lot of these are fan comics, but it's when, like... Spidey finds someone who's down on their luck and is either doing something stupid or about to do something stupid. And he's like, hey, yeah. what if I just, like, bought you some food and I know where for you to get a shelter and, like, I know a guy who'd give you a job if you need it. Like, I have, like, 50 bucks on me right now. Yeah. That could be another thing. Like, maybe, maybe Peter does get, like, some kind of allowance, but he just keeps on giving it to other people. Yeah. He's like, I recognize you need this more than I do. Now... I know that in the upcoming movie, there's been rumors that uh, Charlie Cox is coming back as Matt Murdock, and maybe he knows Matt. Yeah, I would like him to know some of the Defenders in passing. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe Foggy ro- roped Matt into doing, like, a commercial so that they can get clients, and and Peter's like, oh, you're the guy on TV! <laughs> He's like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, honestly, I feel like for for my vision of the second uh the second and third Spider-Man movies, how I want them to play out, I feel like I wouldn't want the Defenders to be more than a cameo. Yeah. And then the, maybe Matt would be a or even Jessica or Luke would be bigger roles in the third movie. Okay. But I think I think very much think right now, just like Peter swinging by is like, "Hey Jessica," and Jessica's like, "Oh, spandex child." 
<laughs> it's too early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like 10 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's probably, he's maybe not necessarily working alongside Aaron Davis, but like Aaron Davis is back in this movie and they have kind of like an understanding. Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe Peter stops by and, like, he, he does a grocery runs to help Aaron and Miles, who Miles did not get blipped, so Miles is now a little bit closer in age to Peter. I think the yeah. implication was, like, he was four or five in okay. the first one, so maybe he, at this point he's a preteen. Yeah, about 10, 11. Yeah. Um, and also, I do, I do feel like, another reason I don't want the Defenders, because I feel like this is going to be kind of a stuffed movie, but I would yeah. like the idea that while Peter was blipped, Aaron Rodgers was also, or... Sorry, Aaron Davis. Who's Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Davis has been around. <laughs> and he actually managed to, like, he somehow found an old Spider-Man costume. Like, maybe the one, one of the ones that he had just stored in an alley. Because yeah. Aaron Davis is a version of the Prowler. But the original Prowler was Hobie Brown, who had found an old Spider-Man costume and just masqueraded as, like, a spinoff of Spider-Man. Okay. So he's been kind of going around also doing the Vigilante Man thing. Mm-hmm. And this is going to attract the attention of Matt Gargan, who has broken out of jail thanks to the blip. And he was laying low before and just like trying to do his own crimes. But now that Spider-Man's back on the team, he's like, oh, I want to take this kid out. Not, not even because it's like good for business. I just hate him so much. I am evil. I am a bad person. <laughs> but there's another villain on the scene as well, alongside Scorpion. And it's Mysterio. And he seems to be some kind of wizard. He's got all kind of, like, smoke bombs and stuff like that. And it's really weird. And I think, like, halfway through, Peter is going to realize that it is all, like, hokum and stage tricks and stuff. Because yeah. that is Mysterio's holsties. Oh, yeah. And, you know, maybe it is even using Stark tech. But I think yeah. for this, it's going to be like, oh, Oscorp bought a bunch of old Stark warehouses and then just sold the stuff in off-sale. And so now a bunch of people actually... It would make sense if Oscorp buys a bunch of old Stark tech, stuff that Tony didn't think could be weaponized, yeah. but they like sell it to criminals so that the criminals can do a bunch of high-tech stuff, much like how Toombs' gang was doing in the first movie. Yeah. And then they can use this to justify their own peacekeeping robots, the Spider Slayers. And maybe they're not the Spider Slayers in this movie, but we could have the Spider Slayers be an important part of the third movie, but we're getting yeah. ahead of ourselves. This is building. We're building the mystery. Building the mystery. Meanwhile, in the high school section. <laughs> hey, Peter's high school just got a huge grant to help fund the science classes and also fund the sports classes. Yeah. Fuck the arts. Uh, yeah. Now, unfortunately, this, this draws the ire of the drama teacher, Quentin Beck, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Art! At his most maniacal... I'm just like, you know, you know the clip of him running around with, like, the handfuls of ferrets? Yeah. <laughs> this is the energy I need. <laughs> I feel like he would be the teacher who, like, tries to show a, a group of teenagers in an Andre Tarkovsky movie, and it is failing fucking hard. <laughs> he dropkicks Disney's Beauty and the Beast out of the theater so he can put on the Belle and the Bet by Jean Cocteau. Yes. <laughs> He's very much... Very much like the drama teacher from Be More Chill, who was like, I need this, I need this play to be high art, so we are doing a Midsummer Night's Dream. But I also need to fund the theater department and get t- uh, people in the seats, so it is also zombies. 
So basically, Jean-Luc Godard's attempt at a Shakespeare movie. I forget which one he did. (laughs) Anyways, this also pisses off uh, a kid named Arnold Seibert. I remember that off the top of my head. Be proud of me. (laughs) Pisses off a kid named Arnold Seibert. He, like many of Peter's uh, contemporary student people, is like based on a, a Daily Bugle employee. Okay. I was looking through a list of Daily Bugle posts and it said, oh, Arnold Seibert was involved in a plot against Mysterio. Perfect. Yeah. So Arnie, as a lot of people call him, is really pissed that the drama budget is getting cut because he is basically Sharpay from High School Musical. <laughs> and Peter, wanting to be I'm every teenager. He has joined the drama department because Michelle's there, but he's also joined the basketball team because Michelle commented offhand she likes basketball. And then Flash, Flash Thompson, because remember Flash Thompson's here, he's like, I am also going to join the basketball team. I bet Penis Parker can never join the basketball team. And Peter's like, I'm going to join the basketball team. My powers include jumping high. I can definitely do this. Oh, Peter. Cue a 10-minute montage that is basically Peter reenacting the scene at the end of Incredibles where Dash tries to run track and field and not make it super obvious that he has superpowers. <laughs> go fast, go fast, go fast! No, 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 slow down, slow down, second place! Second! Go for second! And the guy's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah, all that jazz is happening. Yeah. Um, And Peter and Michelle will bond, and like, I, I do feel like We'll kind of have a Spider-Man 2 moment, like a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2 moment. Not in the sense that I'm Spider-Man no more, but I am going to focus more on my teen stuff because the Spider stuff is getting too intense. And honestly, Aaron Davis seems to almost have a handle on this. Like, he's been protecting uh, Queens. He's from Queens, right? Yes. He's he's been protecting Queens for the past five years using nothing but one of my old masks and a gun. Yeah. We're going to defeat evil with the power of friendship and this gun I found. <laughs> I mean, Matt, <laughs> the uh, Daredevil beats up people. Jessica Jones beats up people. Luke Cage beats up people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's weird how Danny Rand got lipped and then he never showed up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Colleen Wing is still here though and so she's the new Iron Fist and so is Misty Knight yeah and Misty Knight can't forget about Misty Knight Iron Fist Metal Fist yes with, pa- with our powers combined we are a lesbian power couple <laughs> yes that's a completely different episode yes <laughs> so but Mysterio's on the rise Scorpion is on the rise he's gonna get a hold of the Oscorp like at first, he's just going to be, like, crime boss Matt Gargan. Yeah. He's going to try and go after Spider-Man with just, like, a sniper rifle or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, Mysterio is going to be, like... And he's going to have, like, all the reverb, reverb and filters on his voice. Like, Mac Gargan, I hear you want to destroy the little spider. Well, why don't we fight fire with fire and arachnids with arachnids? And then he, like, presents the scorpion suit that he is cobbled to, like... Cobbled together from a bunch of Oscorp stuff. Yeah. And uh, I tell you, I want it to look real nasty. Not nasty as in bad, but nasty as in, oh, I'm, shit, did H.R. Geiger make this? Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't have to go hard, like, Baron Harkonnen's thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, one of those 
Mm, this looks like it belongs in like an alien movie. Yeah. Like I'm thinking a very robotic looking mask. Like like the inside is very much akin to an Iron Man suit, but the outside, yeah. like it's got some freaky mandibles and it's got like a yeah. whole bunch of eyes and lenses and stuff. Um, the hands are gonna, like, basically be able to psh, the predator claws out. Oh, yeah. And then the tail would be, like, fully prehensile, and it's got, like, an energy scimitar. Cool. Like, Razor Fist from Shang-Chi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was just gonna say, like, the reveal of the scorpion armor, and, like, there should be an electric guitar sting behind it. Oh, let's yeah. Just, let's just go full ham. Spider hit pig, spider pig. <laughs> Sorry, I, I gotta. <laughs> also in this movie, at some point, Peter has to recognize that a lot of the issues are happening because Tony Stark never really saw the big picture. And it's like, yeah, he chose not to sell his weapons. But the fact that he made so many just made it so easy for people, like, whatever defenses he has are spread so thin that it's so easy for people now to get a hold of those weapons. Yeah. And, like... Maybe Mysterio does get a hold of the the murder drones, which they're not, I'm not going to put them in space, but yeah. the, like I know a bunker in New York, he finds like, oh, this is brilliant. This is exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's like him teaming up with Matt Gargan. Like they could basically hold all of Manhattan Island for ransom. Uh, yeah, getting everything they want and everything they need. Yeah, and so. The the thing that makes Peter realize that he has to really put himself in gear is when Matt Gargan goes after Aaron Davis and Miles. And Aaron is going to be injured, non-fatally, but mm-hmm. like enough for Peter to take things seriously. And he like I think that'll be when I don't know, maybe he's having a panic attack during a theater production, and then he realizes, oh wait, no, this isn't panic, this is a spider sense. Yeah. And he knows exactly how to get to Aaron, and he flips as fast as he can. Mm-hmm. And he gets there, and he's able to like knock Mac out a window, and get Aaron to a hospital. But like, this is the wake up call. Peter's like, I, I can't keep splitting my time between these two things. I, I, when stuff like this is happening, I need to be Spider Man. Okay. And this will also be where Michelle finds out because, like, Michelle will be there and she's, like, trying to calm him down. Like, you're having a panic attack. Just breathe. Like, breathe in. Hold it. Breathe out. And he's like, no, I can't. And he's just going to, like, whip. He's going to have to whip his web shoe out in front of her. And she's like, oh, shit. Are you Spider-Man? And then, yeah, I am. Oh, sorry. I'll explain later. Bye. <laughs> and so then Michelle, because Michelle's smart. They're at yeah. a smart people school for smart people. Mm-hmm. So Michelle kind of, like, in a Gwen Stacy, a basic Spider-Man 2 vibe, she will help him and Ned figure out a plan to take out Mysterio and Matt Gargan, like, try and determine what they're planning. Yeah. And they'll be like, look at the targets that have been hit. It's always been, like, sporting events and, like, scientific laboratories. And then they're like, wait a second. Middleton just got, an, uh, like, a grant for sports and science. But you know who has been raising a huge fuss about the drawing department not getting any stuff? It's Mr. Beck! It's Mr. Beck is Mysterio! Dun dun dun! And, like, we, we will have, like, scenes of Mysterio being, like, the fishbowl comes off. And he's like, yes, I am Jake Gyllenhaal Quint- playing Quentin Beck. <laughs> uh, but at some point in the final confrontation, by the way, the final confrontation is going to happen at the basketball game. And what I almost named this uh, Spider-Man home game or Spider-Man home team. <laughs> yeah. 
So the final confrontation happens at the basketball game. And when Peter is fighting Mysterio, he's like, wait a second, if you're here, then how is Mr. Beck over there? And Mysterio's gonna like, ah, I see you found my secret. And the will come off and it's like, oh, it hasn't been Mr. or it hasn't been Quentin Beck. It's actually been Arnie this whole time. Okay. Because Arnie is played by, you know, I originally, I think off mic, I told you that I wanted Mysterio to be a, a, a shitty, sassy theater kid. Yeah. My original casting was Troy Savon, but I actually now want to change that to Frankie Rodriguez from High School Musical, the musical, the series. <laughs> I think he could play a villain easily. Yep, yep. I see it. Uh, he's like, before I may have just been using illusions and tricks to fight you, but now I have murder drones! Yay! Or, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't reading all that, but glad to hear it. Or, I'm sorry that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I tweeted early this morning, oh no, we have another evil Arnie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Scorpion's also there, and he's just like, I love to murder. And, you know, maybe Spider-Man will get taken out, and then Flash is going to run to his defense. Because if there's one thing, th trying to get true to the text here, Flash Thompson hates Peter Parker, but yeah. he loves Spider-Man. Yeah, and like the best, the, the the best Flash Thompson put to screen was the one from Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, where he like he was a bully for five minutes, and then he like like when Peter lashes out after Uncle Ben dies, he's like, "Yeah, just let it out. I understand. I get it, man. Okay." And then they're kind of friends at the end. Yeah. So Flash is gonna run, and he's gonna defend Peter. Because like, hey, you can't do that, Spider-Man. He, all he does is help us. You're 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 a terrible person. You're just like all the other people who try and like ruin stuff for us or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Matt Gargan's like, listen, kid, I really don't care. I just want to kill him. And if you're in my way, I'm just gonna kill you. And he's gonna cut Flash's legs off. Oh, <laughs> because that's another thing that happens to Flash Thompson in the comics. Now he does lose his legs in Afghanistan. And I think way back in the day, he was a Vietnam vet. I don't, yeah, yeah, he was he was some kind of military vet, yeah. and I think they updated to Afghanistan when they wanted to make him relevant again. Yeah, because sliding timescale. Condensing a lot of flashes into one, we have made him an athlete once more, and also yeah. we have now removed his legs. The yeah. reason I picked basketball instead of football is because at the end of the movie, Flash Thompson would be like, yeah, I'm just going to go into the wheelchair leagues now. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there is wheelchair football, but I feel like wheelchair basketball is more iconic, kind of. I know that there's a wheelchair rugby, I think they call it murder ball. See, I thought the basketball was a murder ball. Let me Google murder ball. Oh, no, yeah, murder ball is the basketball. Okay. Yeah, wheelchair rugby, also called murder ball, also called quad rugby in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I feel like it'd be easier for Peter to... If Peter did join the basketball team, I think it'd be easier for him to hide his powers playing basketball than playing rugby. Yes. If Peter tries to tackle another team, they are dead. <laughs> He's committed a crime. Yeah. I was actually doing a bit of research into rugby. So here's the thing about rugby rules. They actually are very strict about person-to-person uh, -person contact because, again, they don't wear padding. Whereas mm -hmm. football, like gridiron football, they have to wear padding because there's barely any rules about person-to-person -person contact. And therefore, you would die. But on the flip side, you see so many pictures of rugby players just getting absolutely fucked up. Yeah, the, there's the story of the one uh, New Zealand All Blacks player who ripped open one of his testicles, so... Hey! See, that's the thing! <laughs> if Peter ripped open one of his testicles, and then his spider powers healed it, <laughs> people will notice! <laughs> yeah. 
course, it's a lot easier for him to avoid injuries and avoid injuring other people if he's playing basketball. I mean, basketball doesn't go without its own risks. Like, you can suffer head injuries and all that, but, like, it's not the sort of risk that you're running with a full contact sport like exactly. football or rugby. All he, all he has to do is, like, yeah, I, I eat my greens, and that's how I can jump so high. Yeah. <laughs> Ring fit adventure. <laughs> I like my spinach. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Popeye, Peter is a non-binary icon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think the important part is that they fight and Peter wins and he defeats both Scorpion and Quentin Beck. Yeah. In the Marvel way, a lot of this is kind of set up for the third Spider-Man movie, but not like explicit. Here's what we're doing next time, but it's more like hints. We're dropping yeah. hints. We're building a universe. Yeah. It's why you can watch Winter Soldier on its own. Exactly. So other stuff that has to happen in the middle is I think Peter and MJ need to go on a date or several dates. Yeah. I think one of them will be, I feel like MJ is definitely the kind of person who would point out to Peter how shitty Tony Stark's like economics and politics are. Yeah. And Peter's going to have to like realize that Mm -hmm. and like... Stop putting Tony on a pedestal. Yeah. Um, on another date, I think they can talk about how Peter's uncle died. And, like, because Michelle will be like, so what? why do you live with your aunt? And he's like, oh, my parents are dead. My uncle's also dead. And she's like, wait, really? And he's like, oh, that was kind of morbid. Like, no, no, I, I kind of get morbid stuff. I listen to a lot of true crime. Also, my my parents are also dead. Yeah. And why are her parents dead? But we'll get to that. <laughs> It's 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 an important tool that we're setting aside for later. <laughs> and then honestly like that's the movie. Like it, yeah. it's it's pretty I'm not going to say cut and dry. I'm going to say that it's probably like backloaded with a lot of sequel hooks. Yeah. Um so one th- the the what I want the main film proper to end on is Peter going to Pepper not with um not to ask for money. Yeah. But to pitch a project to her. And he's like, I like I have a team with superpowers. I can kind of handle that because I had Tony. But I'm sure there are so many other teams that don't have superpowers. I have an idea. I want to build a school. Yeah. And this is going to be... Te- uh, instead of Peter using his college fund for college, he's going to use it to uh, create Avengers Academy. Yeah. And then, the, like... I, I'm guessing the scene before, because that's like the last scene of the film proper before credits. Yeah. Before that, we'll probably get a scene of Matt Gargan getting in a prison transport van, and Adrian Toomes is there too, and he's like, nice job, Gargan. I'm sure that worked out so great for you going after Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and Gargan's like, yeah, man, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um... We'll probably also see scenes of Peter and Michelle and Ned volunteering at Feast, which is another thing that came up in uh, Far From Home. Feast is a newer part of the Spider-Man lore. It is a charitable organization run by Martin Lee, and then later on is revealed that Martin Lee is actually a supervillain named Mr. Negative, and he's like, there was a big push to introduce new villains to Peter's rogues gallery in like the 2010s, and he's the only person who's stuck to the point where he is the main villain of the PS4 Spider-Man game. Now, I don't know how much he does or what he does specifically on account of I have not finished it yet, but he there. Okay. And so that's another thing. I do want to set up Feast and Martin Lee and Mr. Negative kind of sort of just to the same degree that the actual Far From Home did. Yeah. And then the first stinger 
is going to be Peter, like, dropping Michelle off at her apartment, and he's like, can I come in? And she's like, no, absolutely, you you sly dog. And he's like, oh, I just, I just want to see it. Like, no, it's seriously, it's like, my grandma that I live with, she doesn't like strange boys coming. Like, listen, what, what, once we, like, get a bit closer, I'm sure you'll come in. Just, like, ease off for now, tiger. Yeah. And Peter's like, oh, okay, fine, that's fine. And Peter, like, flips away. And MJ goes into her apartment, and she turns the lights on, and it is just covered in, like, conspiracy boards and strings and stuff like that and we see pictures of tombs and matt gargan and uh quentin beck and uh arnie and norman osborne and we're gonna like see name drops of like craven and dr oct or yeah, craven and uh, otto octavius and kingpin um you gotta have kingpin in there yes kingpin wilson fisk just yeah. all this stuff like a whole bunch of stuff trying to the connections back to it and she's gonna go up to this vanity and she's gonna like look in the mirror, and she's gonna pull out the silver wig and flip it on, and then pull out like a domino mask and put that on too. And she's like, hmm, "Yeah, I think it's time," because she's also black cat, which is Yay! something. This is something I theorized the moment Zendaya was cast. Yeah, like I love her being the love interest, but she just doesn't feel like a Mary Jane. It yeah. feels like she is. It's like a different character. And I yeah. like the character that she is, but she doesn't feel like Mary Jane. I want her to be something else. I want her to be Felicia Hardy in Witness Protection, but yeah. she is becoming the Black Cat in order to take out probably ultimately Norman Osborn. I yeah. believe in the comics it was Fisk, who is the reason her dad died. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be Norman Osborn, just to tie it tighter to the Spidey mythos. Yeah. The second stinger <laughs> is going to be Arnie in Juvie. And he like he's called to like the interrogation room or like the the calls room or whatever. Yeah. To talk to someone because like oh your old drama teacher's here to see you and we're gonna see Jake Gyllenhaal walk in once again and the cops are there and he's just gonna pull out like a pair of silenced pistols and go psh, 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 and shoot all of them and sit down at the phone booth. Yeah. And Arnie's gonna be like, now I know my drama teacher doesn't even know how to get a gun. Never mind, kill cops like that. So who are you really? <laughs> And he's going to just pull his face off. And it's just going to be like the smooth, white, blank face. And it's going to be like, Hello, Mr. Seibert. I hit, me and my brother have a proposition for you. Because this is Chameleon. <laughs> oh! And so in the next film, we can get Mysterio, Chameleon, Craven, Vulture, Scorpion, and either Mr. Negative or Green Goblin or Hobgoblin. Um, or fucking, I don't know, maybe it's White Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, this is something that I wanted to put to fanfic and that I didn't have the energy to put to fanfic, because when I got all my fanfic energy, I devote it entirely to High School Musical, the musical, the series. So instead I made a podcast about it. Thank you, Theo. Again, your High School Musical, the musical, the series fanfic is excellent, so. <laughs> Thank you. But no one has Spider-Man powers. Although there is, there is a Spider-Man, High School Musical, musical crossover fanfic. Where Sebastian is Spider-Man, and Ricky is Venom, and those are choices, and I like them. Nice. <laughs> but that's not here nor there. The important part is, can you think of anything else I need to throw in this thing? No, that seems like um, a far better uh, movie than what Disney and Marvel are doing, because honestly, they're stealing a lot from Miles Morales, which is fucking sad. Yeah. Oh, so that is another thing. Um, I do want to see near the end, like... 
after uh, Peter pitches the thing to Pepper, is that he goes to visit Tony's grave. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I know you were a good person deep down, but you caused a lot of issues in the world, and I don't think you ever saw a way to fix... Like, I don't think you ever realized that these were things that you needed to fix. Yeah. Now, I'm not happy that I need to be the one who cleans up your mess, but I'll do my best. Because if there's one thing you did teach me, it was how to take responsibility. Yeah. And then he's going to stand up and he's going to go join Aunt May and Michelle and they're going to visit Uncle Ben's grave. Hey, Uncle Ben, he's a real person. He is now being mentioned (laughs) before fucking What If. Yeah. What If is the first mention of Uncle Ben in the entire MCU canon? I'm going to smack someone. Like, how how did they let that happen? Because, okay, so here, in their defense, like, they made, made a whole thing about how everybody knows the origin story of Spider-Man. We don't want to do another origin story. So many of the MCU is already origin stories, especially in this phase, because we're introducing a bunch of new heroes. Yeah. Okay, fair. So, I can kind of understand that. But then it's like they kind of lost the entire thread of what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man. It's like yeah. they cut off that beginning and they were adrift. They were yeah. lost at sea. And, like, as much as I like Tom Holland's Spider-Man, like, I think he was a bit too young for the origin story of Spider-Man. You almost want a high school senior. See, I think he would have been a great age. I think I think Tom Holland is one of the best Peter Parkers. Okay. It's just that he hasn't been given very good Spider-Man stories to work with. Yeah. Much like Jodie Whittaker, great doctor. Not that many great Doctor stories. Although apparently the new season has started and I didn't even notice because I don't have television. <laughs> so I need to get on that. Yeah. Maybe it's good this time. I would love to see Jodie Whittaker in a Marvel movie. Someone completely unhinged. Yeah. Morgan Le Fay. Yes. I know they already put her in Runaways, but put, put, Jodie, put Jodie Whittaker in things. I like her in things. Yeah. All right, but I think that's my film. Yeah. So watch out. Here comes a friendship promo. tuning into the Sailor Moon Fan Club podcast. I'm your host, Victoria L. Johnson, aka Miss Old School. I've been a Sailor Moon fan for a long time, since the show first aired on Cartoon Network's Toonami. Remember that? I created the show because I love Sailor Moon, and because I love Sailor Moon, I love talking about Sailor Moon. Unfortunately, not all of my friends want to hear about my theories on the Moon Kingdom or all the feels I had when Darian or Mamoru broke up with Serena or Usagi. But that's why I started this podcast. Sailor Moon fans are some of the best people on Earth, and so many are doing amazing things. Within our fandom, we have New York Times bestselling authors, manga and comic book creators, musicians, illustrators, animators, high-profile influencers, people who work in tech, community builders, basketball players, makeup artists, and even a wrestler. And I want to talk to all of them. If that sounds like something you'd like, sit back, relax, and shout, Moon Prism Power! Then hit subscribe. You can also follow us at Moonies Club on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening, Moonies. Thank you.
All right, Lindsay, where can you be found on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart and on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart. You can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not a Fire Boot You First, and they're pronounced, Come on, Spider-Man! Come on, Spider-Man! You can also email us at notifiverbootyoufirst at gmail.com where you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and your photos of Spider-Man for J. Jonah Jameson. He's here too. We're, yeah. we're, still, we're still keeping the same casting. Oh, yeah. That's allowed. J.K. Simmons just owns J. Jonah Jameson. The only, the only justification for recasting him is if he passes away. Yeah. Notice I said if, not when. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's immortal. <laughs> Uh, anyways, that email is where you could send us a friendship promo, be an audio clip, or a proof us to read it. Either way, we'll put in a free ad for your podcast, or YouTube, or even your newspaper. Not if I reboot you first as a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. Our cover art, as always, is by Alex, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, and you can contact us to find out how to contact him if you let music of his own for your own. This podcast was recorded on Treaty 4 Territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Insultal, Assiniboine, and Métis. And last but not least, don't forget that you can buy this episode for yourself. It is not an NFT. Oh god, Tony Stark probably would have loved- Rip Tony Stark, you would have loved NFTs. Anyways, <laughs> this isn't an NFT. It is just your name on a spreadsheet, but for a $5 donation to the North Central Family Center, the link is in the description, uh, we will declare that you're the owner of this podcast episode, or any episode you want. Awesome. So, Tanner. So, Lindsay. Do you want a hint for next week? Yes. So next week, we will be diving into history. We will be doing another biopic of someone who should have gone to biopic a long time ago because the story is fucking great. Lindsay doing a biopic? Who could have guessed? <laughs> so next week, we'll be talking about um, one soldier who managed to fight in two armies and is the only one from the U.S. to do so, specifically in the Soviet Army. This is a crazy-ass story. You're gonna love it. It, it won't be miserable, I promise. Okay, that's good. I was, yeah, I was about to say, you know, actually it has been a while since Lindsay did something that was hi mostly historical and also incredibly miserable. I think you learned your lesson from when you came in from the cold. <sighs> I like misery, but also, uh, I promise! I know, I know! <laughs> Look, there's gonna be a lot of Nazis blowing up. See, that's not miserable, that's fun. That's yeah. a good, that's a, just a rollicking good time. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man after Captain America's own heart. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, we will be historically accurate next week. But not if we reboot you first. Bye. Whip. <laughs>